Ah, good morning, Hallmark. God is good, and all the time. Uh, it's a real joy to be standing in uh, Pastor John's place today. We know that this is the project that he and a number of the guys are risking their lives. Uh, <laughs> uh, hiking a 14,000-foot mountain. They're going to do 14 of them, Lord willing. And uh, I was a little nervous about it yesterday when I saw the pictures uh, of them out on ledges uh, going up the last peak and uh, doing some pretty uh, tactical hiking, I would call it, without ropes. So be sure and pray for Pastor John. Amen? Pray for him. That he, he will have better sense next time. But, but uh, I mean, pray for him that, that he will get back safely. And uh, this is a project they're trying to raise money for in the Philippine Islands. And uh, Lance and Melanie have been over there 20, over 20 years. Our missionaries, we supported, and Manna has helped them in a number of different projects. And this is a wonderful, wonderful project. God loves uh, the homeless. He loves fatherless children. And this is a place for fatherless kids. And it's to the least of these that we would extend our love. One of the things that Pastor John said, it kind of perked me up. He said last week that the deacons had actually... Uh, voted in, a, in the deacons and trustees meeting to give 5000 that would match any up to $5,000 for so everything you give is going to be doubled so whatever you give and if you if you give more than 5000 hey uh, I have a feeling there's a little leverage there that they, might, they might be uh, able to give a little bit more well we'd like to say welcome back also for our Honduras team I saw several team members and I was excited give them a hand will you Carlos and, uh, Carlos and Stefan led a group down there along with her, her dad, Steve Switzer, and they had a remarkable trip. I just watched every day that they put up pictures because I've been there a few times, and I love the people they're working with and the ministry that's going on there. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the young men that uh, we met a number of years ago has grown up, married, and is leading one of the ministries. Don Eddy uh, also is leading a pastoring a church that uh, worked there in Tagus, and now he's up in uh, uh, Guayamaca, yes, thank you. He's up in Guayamaca, about two hours uh, away, and leading a ministry there. But God has so blessed them, and Elizabeth, their daughter, lost her mother, uh, Donetti's uh, wife, a number of years ago, grown up alone, and finally God gave uh, Don Eddie, he was very patient and faithful, gave him a new wife. They have a new baby boy. And uh, Elizabeth now interpreting. And she, uh, we helped put her through school. Amanda did and Hallmark did. And so she is now, she's very fluent in English and uh, interpreting for them and connecting with our group. And it's such a wonderful blessing to see these kids growing up, getting involved in ministry and how God continues to bless him. Well, I've got a big assignment today. Uh, your pastor left me with quite an assignment, and uh, I just can't get to all of it because we only have uh, about 25 minutes, So, uh, and the clock is ticking. So uh, I don't know how many times I've had people say, now, Pastor, you know you're on a time limit this morning. And all God's people said, Okay, well, we, we're going to try to get to that. But hey, we're talking about Revelation. So there's this, the first picture we want to put up is kind of a review. 
And I love the way that we review it. Uh, today we're going to get to the most exciting part of the book of Revelation. I'm really glad that I got assigned this. We're in chapter 19, but uh, let's go back to that first one. Sorry, well, I, I didn't get to give over that one. Okay, here we go. This is the outline of the book of Revelation. We've been at it for a while, and we recognize that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, ascended to heaven, and the angel stood there uh, on the Mount of Olives with Jesus and said, this same Jesus that you see have gone into heaven, he's coming again in like manner. And aren't you glad for that? Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming? And would you turn to the other neighbor and say, are you ready? Yeah, well, we got to get ready because we got a final destination and we need to have a reservation for that destination. Amen? So we're, we're living now on the church age. One day, as Revelation 1 through 3 talks about the churches, God has messages to the churches. He tells them what for and he tells them what they need to be doing and what they're not doing. And the Lord is still looking at churches today. He's still looking at Hallmark Baptist Church and other churches and he's saying, how about you? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you living your life? Is Hallmark Baptist Church on point, doing what God wants them to do in this last day before Jesus comes? So as we get through the church age, we're raptured, and then there's a seven-year tribulation period. We've marched through those uh, uh, chapters. Don't you just love marching through those chapters? Amen. Gloom and doom and chaos and I'm telling you, I mean, our country's been through difficult days in the last couple of years, but there's more difficult days coming. And uh, one of the, the blessings that we're going to see is that we get to chapter 19 today, Jesus is coming. And thank the Lord, all through that uh, tribulation period, um, we're going to talk about where we're going to be during that time. But then there's a millennial reign of Christ, and pastor, when he gets back, he's going to be in chapter 20. He's really going to, I'm going to leave him the last part of chapter 19, and uh, so uh, I'll, I'll have to pass that on to him because I know I don't have time to do all of that, but absolutely, Jesus Christ is coming again. There's a millennial reign. He'll cover that, and then, then we're going to get the white throne judgment, and thank God we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth, and I'm looking forward to that. Amen? Amen? All right, let's get in our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter number 19. Look at chapter number 19. Now, chapter 17 and 18, I'm going to refer to those. And, uh, but let's, let's look at chapter number 19. And uh, all right, here we go. Chapter 19 and verse number 1. And after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord God Almighty. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who has corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants, uh, on his servants shed by her. And again I say, Alleluia. His, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, we've seen those before. Four living creatures, we've seen them before. They fell down and worshiped God, who was, who was sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from heaven saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. 
And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, the sound of mighty thunderings, this great multitude saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. The bride has been adorned and made ready for the bridegroom and the marriage of the Lamb. Verse 8, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write. He's still writing, isn't he? <laughs> He's still taking down what God says. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. Don't worship that angel. For I am your fellow servant and your brother who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. They worship God alone. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit, is the spirit of prophecy. Well, let's bow for prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this time together in your house, and we thank you for the privilege to uh, unfold one of these great events, Lord, we are anticipating. Help us, Lord, to march through this text and to see what you unfold to us. Give us uh, your presence today. Thank you, Lord, for the praises that we've already sung to the King of kings and Lord of lords, preparing our hearts, Lord, for this great event. And, Lord, we look forward to that. Bless us now. Give us your anointing today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I love this text. Let's go back, if you will, and look at chapter 19 and verse 1. And after these things I heard... Now, if we could go back in those slides to chapter 17, we're going to march through this real fast. There's a review here because I was given chapter 17 and 18. But in chapter 17, these are after these things. At chapter 17, there was the spiritual Babylon. There's a world religious system. There's a world religion coming in the beginning of the tribulation period. It's, it's outlined in chapter number 17. And it says that's the mystery Babylon. And I... I don't have time to cover all of that, but I, I want you to know there is a one-world religion coming, and it's an ecumenical movement. We see the movings of it today. It's not, it's not rooted in the Scriptures, uh, but it's foretold by the Scriptures that those who will come will actually uh, uh, do all they can to destroy those who are true Bible believers because they will not follow the very commandments of the Lord. But in chapter number 17, it gives way to the world economic system. We read about it in the Mark of the Beast, and we talked about the Antichrist, and the pastor has covered uh, that subject very well. But there is going to be a world economic system, a world political system, a world commercial Babylon. And that revival of that city, Babylon, 
where false religion actually began. You can read about it in the book of Genesis when they built the Tower of Babel where the occult was born and where the worship of stars and the movement of the planets was really born. That's the beginning of false religion and it's going to culminate in the tribulation period as a one world religion from the city of Babylon. I believe it's going to be revived and rebuilt and it's going to be in the literal Babylon. Haven't always believed that, but you know, as you keep studying and learning you, and you see things happening in the world, I'm going to tell you, we're living in exciting times because we're living, I believe, before the very coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I say to say to your neighbor, uh, your neighbor again, Jesus is coming. I said, say to your neighbor one more time, Jesus is coming. And look the other way and say, are you ready? We've got to be ready, amen? We need to be ready because we're living before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then the, 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 that mystery Babylon is the most mentioned city in the Bible next to Jerusalem. There are 404 verses in Revelation. 42 are about Babylon. It's in these two verses, chapters, verse, chapter 17 and chapter 18. Ancient Babylon is located 55 miles south of Baghdad along the Euphrates River. And do you know that Saddam Hussein was wanting to rebuild that city Babylon? And did you know that he had a coin minted with his face on one side and Nebuchadnezzar, who was the leader and the king of Babylon, the world empire, the Babylonian empire that marched and took Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, took all of them into Babylonian captivity and all that began to happen. And Daniel was given that wonderful prophecy that so coincides with everything that we read in the book of Revelation. I don't have time to cover that. The next slide. <laughs> Let's move on, will you? In chapter number 19, we see that this two, there are two things that happen. There are sounds about the events in heaven. We're probably going to cover most left in this time that we have. But the last part is about, uh, I'm sorry, that should be, uh, this, the first one should be the sounds I heard. And the last one should be, I saw. So it should be the sights. Somehow I gave them the wrong one. Instead of sounds, it should say sights. And these are the events that I, I saw in heaven. And that's be, uh, beginning in verse number 11. I saw in heaven. So we want to go to this right here. Gen, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse uh, number 1. I, I saw the events in heaven the destruction of the armies of the war of Armageddon. And then I saw in verse 19, the punishment of the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet in the lake of fire. And we're going to leave a, a lot of that to Pastor John because not only are the false prophet going to be destroyed and going to be punished, and, and, uh, and uh, we're going to see the Antichrist also, but we're going to see in chapter 20, the first few verses, that Satan himself is going to be cast in the lake of fire. And we could all say amen to that. Amen. Now, those are the things. Now, let's go back to the outline in the first part of chapter 19, if we could find that in 19, verse number 1. And let's begin to read again, if you will, the, the slide previous to that one. There we go. Now, in verse number 1, and these things I, after these things, I heard a loud voice. After the mystery Babylon is destroyed, 
after the false uh, religion is destroyed in verse 17 and in chapter 18, the world religious system comes uh, barreling down and the markets fall and now all the merchants wail and all of those who are making and living in luxury lose all of their wealth. All of that comes to an end. The false religion and the false political system, we find that that all comes to an end. After these things, I heard this loud voice and the, ten, uh, the attention of the scripture says, I heard a great multitude in heaven. There's been a lot of folks in heaven for a while. There's been a lot of people there, and we keep populating them. Every now and then I just take a stroll through uh, Laura Land, the funeral, uh, the cemetery, and then I take a, a couple of other cemeteries, and I just say goodbye and say hello to all the people we've said goodbye to. We've had a lot of them, haven't we, over the last few years? But all that population in heaven is getting larger and larger. And what are they doing? They are singing Alleluia. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Now, when you read that in the text, in the original language, it says this. It says, the salvation and the glory and the honor and the power belong to the Lord God Almighty. It emphasizes the fact that there is only one who actually provides the salvation for our soul. It emphasizes that there is only one who has the glory of all of the universe, and that is the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is the one who has the honor and the power. He, he, he gives a little power to those in the world today. He gives government some power. He gives law enforcement some power. But it's only under the power of the one who's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one who's the creator of all things. And so all power belongs to God. So, you know, in this time, we get a little bit anxious about all the stuff we see. But, you know, I want you to understand God is in control. God is overall. God has a plan. God, and thank God he's given us this last book of Revelation so that we can understand what God is up to. We don't understand every detail. We don't understand exactly the time of it all. But he says, don't worry. I'm working my plan. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so he says, for true and righteous are your judgments. Now notice verse 2. Because he has judged the great harlot, which is we read in chapter 17, who has corrupted the earth with her fornication, has avenged on her the blood of his servants that, sh that was shed by her. She is, he, the Bible says when the Lord comes, he's going to avenge the death of all those who have suffered for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. It references back, if you, if you look back in your Bibles, to Revelation chapter number 6. In Revelation chapter number 6 and verse number 9, it says, And he opened the fifth seal. And I saw under the, the, the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. And of those who had been uh, slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? How long, and uh, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? You know, there have been a lot of... Uh, a lot of false judgment today. There are a lot of people get by with a lot of wickedness and a lot of evil. And it's not an uncommon thing to see today. How many of you have had, uh, been the object of fraud lately? 
How many of you had things stolen from you and never been recovered? How many of you had all kinds of abuses that never had proper judgment? You know, I thank God for judges and for those who are doing judgment, but I'm going to tell you the judgment of man is incomplete. And the judgment of man is not going to be like the judgment of God. But the Bible tells us if you, if you go back to Hebrews chapter number 11, the great hall of faith in Hebrews. The Bible tells us there that there are some great men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And in that cha wonderful chapter, God reveals to us that those who were wonderful victorious in their faith, we read about uh, Abel and we read about Enoch who was taken and God blessed him and took him uh, as a picture of the rapture of the church. We read about Abraham. We read about Noah who built the ark and by faith did those things. We read about Moses and then we read about uh, the conquering of the land of Joshua and Rahab and then of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and all of those. But then, look if you will in Hebrews 11, verse number 35. It says, women received their dead raised again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance. Oh, some were tortured for the cause of the Lord. Some were not delivered. Some did not have that wonderful victory in this lifetime. Others were in trials of mockings. They were scourged. They were imprisoned. Yeah, they were stoned. Remember the first, the first guy that was stoned and left for dead for the testimony of Jesus Christ? His name was Stephen. And Jesus stood up and welcomed him home. You see, I'm saying to you that when we come to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, not everything is peaches and roses. Not everything is wonderful. Life in this world, we're living in a broken world, cursed by sin, and we're all affected by our sin and the sins of others. And so one day, one day, when all of this is over and Jesus Christ comes, it says in Revelation chapter 19, He is going to make right. He is going to judge righteously. Amen. He is going to bring to justice all those uh, who, uh, who have, who have uh, thought they got away with what they did. The wickedness of man is going to be judged. You know, David said that. If you, uh, you know, I don't have time to read it, but Psalm 73, if you'll read that this afternoon, you read that where he said, Lord, how long are you going to wait before you bring justice? I was so discouraged by the fact that the rich seem to do well and they seem to get by, and yet we're tested. Job was running from Saul. We've been studying about David running uh, from King Saul and hiding. He was falsely accused. And so many of our brothers and sisters, and many times in our own lives, we are falsely accused about it, and our motives are questioned in serving the Lord. I don't know how many times I've run on to people that had a bad experience in church, and they're not in church today. They got fed up because we went to church expecting everybody to be righteous, and they found some unrighteous people at church. That's not a surprise to any of us, is it? No. What an amazing thing to come in and find sinners at church. How many of you are sinners? Yeah, amen. How many are sinners saved by grace? Hallelujah. Well, it don't make us sinless, does it? I'm still working on that part. And your pastor's still working on that part. But thank God he's made a lot of progress. I'm, I'm here to tell you. He's made a lot of progress. Hallelujah for that. All right, chapter 19, let's get back over there. There's going to be an avengement. He's going to avenge all those who have wronged us, all those who have wronged the people of God. 
Verse 3, and again I say hallelujah. Her smoke rises forever and ever. And the elders, I always, I always thought the elders represented the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. The 12 uh, uh, heads of the tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. So there we're, we're there with a the multitude of Christians and we're singing amen and hallelujah and glory to God. And there's stepping up there leading with some of the angels. And I'm telling you, we're just praising the Lord and lifting our hearts in praise to the Lord. So in verse number four, or verse number five, and then the voice came, praise our God, all you as servants who fear him, both small and great. And heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns, and let us be glad and rejoice. Actually, this is the scene we first see it in Revelation chapter number four. If you want to just turn back there for a moment, you'll see in chapter number four and verse number four, there's the four and twenty elders and thrones, and those uh, elders are sitting there clothed in white robes and their their crowns of gold on their heads and they they are praising the Lord there and there's there's that same scene when when John first after he finished the letters to the churches he's caught up he's caught up into the glory to see the saints and the elders it's the same scene that we see here chapter 19 one of the wonderful things when you're marching through chapter 16 or 6 through 18 and all the horrific things of the, of, the, of the trumpet judgments and the vile judgments and the bold judgments. And we see those angels sounding those sounds of horrific, catastrophic events in the tribulation period. Periodically through Revelation, he, he, he comes back from that. He gives us a time of rest. He flashes to the end and says, look where we're going to be. So don't get... Don't get too unnerved here. Don't get too upset. Because look at the end. Aren't you glad we got the last book of the Bible? You know, I like to read that last. I, I, I especially like to read the last two chapters. When I see we're going to go. And you know, it's not for 60 or 70 or 80 years. You know, it's forever. Forever and ever. You know, I, I, I just enjoy reading the last. How many of you, let me ask you this. Now, be honest. How many of you read the last, when you get an exciting novel, how many of you go back and read the last chapter just, just to get a little ease? How many of you do that? Well, God bless you. I love to do that too. And so I love to go back periodically and read the last chapter. Oh, my goodness. Look at the time. All right, we got to hurry. Verse, verse number 7, let us be glad and rejoice. Now look in verse 7, for the glory, the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his, his wife, his bride, the bride is the church. It is the church, it is the believers in Christ during this church age, has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, the fine linen of the righteous acts of the saints. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, this is all marriage language. It is the Jewish wedding. And we've got to just spend a couple of minutes thinking about the Jewish wedding, all right? Now, there are three parts to the Jewish wedding. Number one, there's called the betrothal period. It is when, uh, now these are marriages that are arranged. All you young people are going to love this. 
It is, it is not your choice if you were Jewish in that day. It was an arranged marriage. Y'all, y'all's was an arranged marriage, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't think so. Mine not either. I chose her. <laughs> but nevertheless, back in those days, there was, a, there was an arranged wedding. There were a betrothal period, but the dads got together and said, hey, my son wants to marry your daughter, and your daughter wants to marry, and we're going we're gonna to arrange it. Well, in order to do that, there had to be a marriage contract. So it was a contractual wedding, and the dads did it. Honestly, I, I think about it, that's really not a bad way to do it. And all the, all the teenagers said, no way. <laughs> that's what they said. But there was a dowry paid. Years ago, this still, this still occurs in some parts of the world, arranged marriages and a dowry is paid. Did you know that some of your mission money went to pay for the dowry of one of our Cambodian preacher boys? You didn't know that. Well, I didn't tell you, but I'm telling you today <laughs> that we, we gave a special offering to help uh, uh, Pastor Seahawk, who pastors in Cambodia, uh, help to pay for his wife. Well, now he's been married a number of years, got two boys, and he's a great pastor and doing a wonderful job. So that marriage has worked out. It was a contractual thing, and we helped pay the dowry because he didn't have the money. So there was a dowry paid. There actually, during that betrothal period, this is, a, this is the period where we find Mary and Jesus. They were betrothed. They had already said vows. The marriage contract had been uh, settled, and a dowry was paid uh, by Joseph for Mary. But they, were, they did not come together as man and wife. Or you see, the second part of that is after all of that said and done, he leaves this bride with her dad, and he goes, he returns to build onto his dad's house. In those days, many of the families had four and five generations living in the same house. They would add an, he would add a room or two to his dad's house. And so it would sometimes take usually a year. In the Jewish law, a man who was going to get, who was, who was betrothed, would actually get a year off from military duty because he was building that house and getting ready for the marriage, getting ready for his bride. So when the bridegroom then would return after that year time, after the betrothal period, and as he would come back to that time, the, the Bible tells us a story Jesus did of, the, of ten wise, vir, ten, five uh, wise virgins and five foolish. There were ten. This is really, don't get hung up on that, but it was a, it's the bridal party. So they know that at the midnight hour, the bride's coming back. It's been a year now. And so they, they light their lamps, and they're getting ready. They're, they're going to announce that he's coming, and they're going to go out to meet him with the bride. And so the bridesmaid are doing that. But then the story, remember, they went out, and so five uh, of the bridesmaids didn't have oil. And they said, Five of them did have oil, and they said, you, give us your oil. We, we need oil. We, we don't have the lights to light the way for the, where the, the bridegroom is coming. They said, no, we can't. We've got to use our oil. And so it's a wonderful truth. You can't get to Jesus on borrowed faith. You can't get to Jesus because your mother did or your dad did or your cousin did or your brother or your sister. You've got to come to Jesus Christ yourself. Can we say amen to that? And so they went out, and it's, it's all marriage language. It's a wonderful, wonderful type of marriage language that God has given to help us understand the Scriptures. And if, if we'll understand that, it, it's so much, so much better. And then there's a wedding banquet. 
As they come back, they lift the bride up and they carry her to the father's house. And then there is a seven-day celebration. You recognize that they have never come together as husband and wife physically. But now there's a seven-day celebration. They're eating. And, and this is the very first, uh, uh, the first miracle that Jesus did. He turned the water to wine at the marriage feast in Cana of Galilee, John chapter 2. So there's this marriage feast, and they're celebrating, and only after this celebration, then husband and wife go off together and consummate the marriage. Okay, now I want you to see how this all comes together in this marriage language. First of all, the betrothal period is the, the price has to be paid for the bride. Remember, there has to be a dowry, and Jesus paid the bride price with his blood. The Lord Jesus came and died, was suffered and bled and died, and gave his life to purchase the bride of Christ, you and me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah for that. Well, during this particular time, the Bible tells us in John chapter 14 that I, I, have, I, I have provided the way, the truth, and the life, but he says, I go to prepare a place for you. That's bridal language. In John 14, he says, I'm going to prepare a room for you. I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. And, I, I, and if I go and, and, and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you. And so when Jesus comes again, that's number two. He comes to receive his bride. That's the rapture. That happens at the beginning of the tribulation period. Aren't you glad for that? For God has not reserved us to wrath. His wrath is going to be poured out in the tribulation period. He's coming to receive us unto himself. And then there's a wedding banquet. We get to heaven, and that's where we are in Revelation 19. There are shouts of hallelujah. There's a glad reunion. There is a wonderful rejoicing. And as it was a seven-day celebration, it looks to me like we're going to have seven years of celebration when we get up there. Amen. We're going to be having a great banquet for quite a while, and we're going to be enjoying the glories of heaven and seeing Jesus face to face. Amen? Man, what a wonderful day that's going to be. The parallel. Jesus has said, I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might know for sure that Jesus is your Savior. And then the Bible tells us, verses 11 and following, that after that wonderful celebration, the seven-year period is over, that heaven is going to open. And he says, I saw a white horse, and I saw the faithful and true and the righteousness of his judgment, and he comes to make war. And the picture that you see in verse number 12 of chapter 19 is the same one you see in chapter 1. It's the picture of a glorified Christ. It's a picture of the one who has flaming fire in his eyes. And he has crowns upon his head. His name is written on no one knew except him, but he's clothed with a robe, dipped in blood. And there's another supper, but it's not the supper that we've enjoyed for seven years. It's the supper of the birds because they come to feed on all of those that Jesus Christ destroys in the final battle of Armageddon. But oh, I'm looking forward to the next time he comes. The angel said, hey, when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to come the first time as the bridegroom coming for his bride. I don't know about you, but I love the, I love the old song 
the next time he comes, he won't have to die for me. The next time he comes, he won't have a crown of thorns. He'll have a crown of gold. The next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. There will be a Calvary coming with him. Because the Bible says we're coming on horses following the Jesus Christ to see the, the slaughter, the sleeve of victory, to see the overwhelming blessing of the king who is all-powerful comes to destroy those who are fighting against God and those who are righteous. He will come avenge all of those who've given their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. The next time he comes, he's coming for me. He's coming for you. Now, my question is, are you ready? I had you say a couple of times, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Well, you know, just as we get ready by trusting Christ, we get ready by watching. We get ready by being filled with oil as a picture of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit that our lights would burn brightly. Are you burning brightly for Jesus? Are you testifying of the love of Jesus? Is your heart filled with the fruit of the Spirit and the love of Jesus? See, that's the question. Are we ready? Are we truly living for the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we know for sure? Did you know? There's a book I just bought. It's a book that helps people who may be going into the tribulation period understand what's happening. I gave it to one of my neighbors because he teaches Sunday school in one of those churches that denies the book, denies salvation by grace through faith. He's, still, he's, he's a believer, but he's still in that church. And I said, you may want to read this so you can teach it to your Sunday school class. Because see, every church, I don't care how good they are in preaching the gospel, every church is going to have people left when Jesus comes. They're not true believers. They're, they're a little of a counterfeit. They're faking it, hoping they can make it. But you have to know Jesus as your Savior. Are you ready for Jesus to come? He could come today, amen. Oh, I say even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The praise team comes. Let's stand together for just a moment of prayer. Jesus is calling. He's tenderly calling. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Lord, I want to be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. I want to walk, Lord, in the power and the spirit of Jesus. I want to tell people, my neighbors, people I meet that don't know Christ. But Lord, perhaps today there are some that are not sure. Lord, you said in your word, examine ourselves whether we're in the faith or not. Examine our life. Today I'm going to ask you to examine your heart. Are you sure? Are you 100% sure that Jesus is your Savior? Are you ready? If, you're, if you know Christ is your Savior, are you really burning brightly? Do you need to fill up with the Spirit's power? Do you need to trim your light and let it shine a little brighter? 
Are you really studying, anticipating? Are you watching as the bridal party watches, anticipating the coming of the bridegroom? Oh, let's, let's love his appearance. Let's be anticipating the coming of Jesus. And let's say together, even so, come, Lord Jesus. We, we want to be ready. Help us today. Lord, I pray you'll bless this hour. If there's one that's never trusted you, I pray today they'd pray. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm trusting you now as Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Pray that prayer. Receive him today. Would you do that? If you're not burning brightly, I pray today you'll say, Lord, help me. I may burn brightly for Jesus. Be watching and ready for his coming.